Word. And uh, I want to say thank you again for being here. I know that there are choices, and we are glad that you chose to be at the Gateway Church this morning. And, uh, and we are tracking through, we have been for some time, through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's interesting, I was just reflecting on our journey through 1 Corinthians, that we got to remember that the culture that the Corinthians had was very much like our culture here in the States, in, the, in America uh, today. There are so many correlations as we've been tracking through that we make those connections. And a week in and week out has been meaningful and powerful as we're studying God's Word. And what's interesting is that there have been a few themes that have emerged, different sections of Corinthians that have been almost become like little mini-series. We did a mini-series on spiritual gifts. We did a mini-series on love. And we are in the middle of a mini-series in chapter 15 on the resurrection of Jesus. And not only his resurrection, but our resurrection. And as we studied over the past couple weeks, resurrection, we have understood that everything that we hold on to as believers, as Christ followers, hinges on the resurrection. And so we've been celebrating that. And even in the songs, like this morning, the last song in particular, it just celebrates the fact that we, at some point, will see our bodies renewed. And so today's focus, we're going to continue on that theme, and we're going to study our new body of life, which we will receive for an eternity. And it's interesting that in our culture, there is an obsession with body beautiful, with our body types, with our, uh, there's this obsession with the body overall. I asked Pastor Bobby to do some research, and uh, it was interesting about what kind of emphasis we put on our physical bodies on this side of eternity. A few things, he gave me way more than I could use, but he said this, and it's interesting. Attractive job applicants have a better chance of getting hired and receiving higher salaries. Is that really true in America? I'm not sure. It says if you're taller, on average, you will raise or you will earn about $600 more on average. So, Greg... I guess that means we're on the top end of things. Rick, I guess we're going to make a little more because we're a little taller, right? I'm not sure. It said also, uh, he found this week, that 8 out of 10 women are dissatisfied with their own reflections. And you say, well, this is a women's issue. They're the ones that are always concerned about our bodies. Well, Pastor Bally found out that 38% of us guys would sacrifice a year of our lives in exchange for the perfect body. And how many of us would love that? I mean, that 38%, I guess, would sacrifice a year of our lives. 29% of men uh, think about their appearance at least five times a day. I'm just saying. Is that it, right? <laughs> Who thinks about it more? 60% of adult women have negative thoughts about their body images weekly. 77% of women and 80% of teenage girls have complained to somebody about their appearance at least once in the past month. And you think about that, it's like, man, that's tragic, right? All to get a new body. Americans spent over $40 billion on diets last year. $8 billion was spent on elective cosmetic surgery. All to get a new body. Very interesting. 
You may have heard of the lady in her mid-40s. She had this near-death experience. She was meeting the Lord in heaven before she was going to be received and asked the Lord, Lord, is it my time? Is this it for me? And God said, no, no. You actually have 43 more years, two months, 15 days. She said, what a gift to know what the number of my days. This is wonderful. So she comes out of her coma and she decides, man, if I've got this much time to live, I need a tummy tuck, a few cosmetic changes. She invested in a, 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 I have no idea what I'm talking about, a lifetime of Botox, right? And after she recovered fully from all of her surgeries, she's feeling good. It's time to go home. On the big day, she's released. She walks out of the hospital and is hit by an ambulance and dies instantly. I didn't say it was a good story. Or it's kind of sad. And she says to the Lord, Lord, I thought I had over 40 years to live. What happened? And God said, oh, my bad. I didn't recognize you. She had got a new body. <laughs> well, the reality is, church, that each and every one of us, at one point or another, we are going to receive a new body at our resurrection or when we're raptured, which we're going to talk about next week uh, in verses 50 through 58. And I want to remind us that the Corinthian believers, uh, they did not believe in their own resurrection. And it's partly because of the Greco-Roman culture that they lived in, which reasoned that a resurrection of a, of a human body was impossible. It was ridiculous to even think of the matter. And partly also because the Corinthians had been puffed up in their own minds with their own spiritual existence. And we studied that early on in 1 Corinthians. They believed they had achieved this spiritual uh, superiority that they had become like the angels. And so the idea of getting another body just didn't make sense. And these ways of thinking, no doubt, that there was no bodily resurrection, it was in infiltrating the church and so paul he took some time 58 verses to talk about it and so the first 11 verses he started to talk about where they believed or where they agreed uh, that jesus had been risen from the grave that there were some that had actually been eyewitnesses of that fact in verses 12 through 19 in chapter 15 uh, we uh, we saw that if there was no resurrection we saw the devastating results that paul lists for us in verses 20 through 28 we see jesus resurrection related to ours and last week we talked in 29 to 34 the doctrine of what motivates us to live for God. It was resurrection incentives. And if you've missed any of these in the series, you need to get online and listen or maybe re-listen to these because these are life-changing principles that will help you to grow in your walk with the Lord and in your understanding. It's doctrinal, it's foundational to what we believe. And today we see that Paul answers the question, what will we be like in heaven? Have, have you ever wondered, what will our bodies be like? What kind of existence will we have? Well, in verse 35, turn with me there, the, the, the question is very specific. It says, but some of you may ask, how are the dead raised? Have you ever wondered that? What is that how, what's that going to look like? What kind of body will they come? Will they become? And the idea here, it's a fair question, 
But really, the, the Corinthians, they were somewhat insincere in their interest. They weren't interested so much in the truth. They actually had really come against some of Paul's teachings. They had mocked him in different ways. But really, what Paul is addressing is like, how can you take a rotting corpse, so maybe something that's been cremated or decayed, that has gone back to dust, or maybe he was left in the ocean, or maybe he was blown up to smithereens in an explosion where there's no trace of the body. How does God put that back together? How many have honestly thought about that? You're like, okay, how does that? In fact, there are some people that would say, hey, when they die, they do not want to be what? Cremated because they're, they're concerned that their body won't come back together. And we see that today, that's, not, that's the, the least of their concerns. And so Paul answers them. He says, right after that, he says, okay, how is this going to happen, right? right? With what kind of body will they come? And then he says in verse 36, he says, how foolish. And when I studied that, it's interesting, that is very tame in the NIV, The real meaning behind that, Paul is saying, you fools, you knuckleheads, you senseless ones, you brainless ones is really the idea here. And Paul calls them fools and somebody's going to say, well, you're not supposed to call someone a fool, are you, right? Well, what Paul's doing, he's reminding them of the Old Testament sense. A fool was someone that said there is no God. And what they were saying, bottom line, is that they were not recognizing God's abilities, God's power to do anything he wants. And so he brings not only the proof of the resurrection, which we've already studied, now he tries to describe what that's going to look like. And what he does, he looks at three concepts related to uh, our new bodies. He gives a series of contrasts old body versus new body, and then he ends with a comparison, Jesus' body and our resurrected bodies, all giving us a sense of what our resurrected bodies will look like. Very interesting set of verses. I want you to stand. We're going to honor God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the back tables you can grab and uh, follow along, or it'll be up here on the screen, I believe. Let's look at these verses. But someone may ask you, may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body." All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one of one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars, a star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. 
So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. Of course, that's Jesus. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Very interesting. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that this morning you would just capture our hearts, that you would help us to not only hear your word, but to put it into action, to let it change us from the inside out. We thank you for these concepts, for these contrasts, for these comparisons. But Lord, ultimately, we thank you that your word is a life-giving uh, vehicle that can change us. We, we honor your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. There are three concepts related to our resurrected bodies. And the first one is that death precedes life. Look what it says. How foolish. Verse 36. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, just, uh, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. Verse 38, but God gives it a body as he determines, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Nowhere in Scripture, church, do we see or learn that our bodies will be put back together in the form of, of our former body that's never seen in Scripture. The idea instead, and Paul's reminding us, is that our bodies will become like a seed. And when you sow a seed, you do not expect the same seed to come up at harvest, right? No, you plant a seed, it dies, it decomposes. In verse 37, it will come back to life again. It will look different, but it will have the same life principle all throughout it the idea is it's it's appointed for us to all die paul acknowledges this other people in the new testament uh, acknowledge this and then comes the resurrection we will rise again death becomes the door for a new body and what's interesting when you think about that and i was really this captured my heart this week is that there are a lot of people that are concerned about dying they, they, they fret about it. They fear the idea of, of taking their last breath or uh, you know, what will life be like. Well, listen, we have to die in order to get a new body. There are good things in the, wait, in the waiting. And my, well, I just want to encourage you, and we'll come back to this, is that there is no fear in death. And that's an important, important thing. The second concept is distinction or distinctiveness. In verse 39, look what it says in verse 39. It says this, it says, all flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. The idea here is that the philosophy of their day uh, it, that the Corinthians believed in, they, and those that were opposing the resurrection, they were saying what goes into the grave must come out of the grave. The exact same. And why would you want to do that, Right? That's the question that they had. That was the big concern. Why would you want to live in this body for eternity? Because our bodies are full of weakness. 
a tendency to sin. We get hurt. We get wounded. There's pain. There's difficulty even with modern medicine. And Paul says, your thinking is all wrong. All flesh is not the same. Everything has its own flesh. Now, I did a little digging, and I, I saw this in, in one uh, commentary, and, I, and so I, I did a little investigating. In science, it's interesting that there are 600 octesillion, and I think that's the way you say it, combinations of amino acids. You say, well, what in the world are amino acids? How many remember back in school? Well, amino acids are the building blocks of all flesh. Amino, amino acids are what builds you and what builds me. And every individual is different. The features are different. Growth patterns are different. Widths, heights, all those things, complexion. And the differences are enormous. The differences are seen in everything. And, and not only uh, seen in our own lives, but in the, the fact in creation there are new there are no two stars alike there are no two blades of grass alike not that you could go see today and see if that's true but there are no two snowflakes alike there are not even two identical twins that are alike that we are made up of different components and the idea is that each species has its own combination of amino acids that put us together. And uh, Josh, you could probably speak to that better than, than most here, um, but, but there's a truth in that. And it actually, that truth is one of the greatest proofs that macroevolution is not true. And uh, we don't have the time to dive into that, but uh, there's a lot of truth there. And the Paul's point here is that can't God make a new spiritual body? And the answer is absolutely yes. God is infinite in his ability and his power. And that leads us to the third concept in verses 40 and 41 is that there is diversity in function. Look what it says. Verse 40, there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the uh, heavenly bodies is of one kind. The splendor of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor. The moon has another and the stars another and the stars and stars differ from star in splendor. What is this saying? What we see is something <clears throat> pretty neat. The idea here is that your resurrected body will be as different from your earthly body as a heavenly body like the sun is different from our human bodies today or a plant. So you could take a flower, for example, and you look at the components of a flower, what makes up a flower, and as different as that is from the sun, for example, that's how different our heavenly uh, earthly bodies, I mean our heavenly bodies will be from our earthly bodies. There will be a difference. And in terms of glory, our earthly bodies are no comparison. Our heavenly bodies will not be like our earthly bodies. Plus, many commentators believe, and I tend to believe this, that there will be a difference in our bodies in heaven. Our heavenly bodies, just like there's no two bodies alike uh, on earth, uh, no two stars are the same in heaven, no two resurrected bodies will be the same. We will have a different glory in heaven. Now, this is pretty interesting. We talked a little bit about it last week when we talked about the incentives for resurrection. 
We talked about service, right? Getting jewels in our crown. Turn uh, just with me real quick to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose hope, right? You can turn there. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The key is in verse 17. For our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. The idea there is that we will be rewarded. We, are, we will have an eternal glory about us. Each of us will. And it is determined by what happens on this side of eternity. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. A couple other verses here. You can uh, turn there and look at it with me. It says, Praise be to God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith is shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation is already to be revealed in the last time in this you greatly rejoice though now uh, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials verse 7 here's the key there are these have come so that so why that your faith of greater worth of gold which perishes even through the refining of fire may prove genuine and may result in what in praise and in glory and in honor when Jesus Christ is ultimately revealed. The idea is that one day all will be known and you will have a glory among you, about you, that will be evident for all of eternity. It kind of begs the question, well, what will we be concerned about in heaven? What would we care about in heaven? And I'll tell you this, it's not a big pile of riches on this side of earth, the stuff we have, the earthly matter. Uh, back in the late 80s, the early 90s, I don't know if you remember the t-shirts that you could buy that said, he who dies with the, uh, the most toys wins. Do you guys remember that? You remember seeing those? Uh, some of you weren't even born back then, but that's okay. And, uh, and what I, th- there was a Christian shirt that came out that kind of like looked like it, kind of was similar. It said, he who dies with the most toys still dies, right? (laughs) And that's the reality, right? We're not taking it with us. And in heaven, you will care about your service on earth, what you did, storing up treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. You will only care about your capacity to glorify God. That's the truth. And so what we do on this side of eternity will affect our destiny forever and so many people get caught up in the day-to-day what we have what we are doing our time our treasure all those things and uh, lord help us to understand a little bit better of what our resurrected bodies what we will be concerned about so we looked at some concepts related to our resurrected bodies and now there's a series of contrasts 
from our old bodies to our new bodies. And we see that. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 and 43. Look what it says. So will it be with our resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown imperishable, it will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it will be raised in power. It is sown in the natural body, it is raised in the spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there also is a spiritual body. And what we see here are four contrasts, the old versus the new. The one is sown, or it's dead, it's, it's uh, gone to the ground uh, in each of these areas. And then on the other side, it's risen, it is uh, brought forth. Uh, well, let's look at the first one. The first is perishable versus imperishable. And when you read this, and this is, you know, we always uh, hear this at a at a funeral, you know, the body that's sown imperishable now will become imperishable. And a lot of times we think, what in the world is this talking? It's actually pretty simple. To be perishable means that you will spoil, you won't last, that your body is in a process of decay. Did you realize that we are shedding our skin uh, day in and day out? We're losing, um, losing part of our bodies, uh, and obviously we regenerate that. But how many of us, our eyesight it maybe isn't as good, we, that will begin to fail. Our hearing will begin to fail, uh, et cetera, so on and so forth. But what the distinction is, is that yes, you'll be sown perishable, but you'll be raised imperishable which means that our resurrected bodies will, not, will know none of the decay, none of the failings, none of the spoilage, none of, uh, we will last forever. Your body that will be raised, your resurrected body will last forever. Think about that. That's pretty awesome. The second comparison is that you'll be sown in dishonor, but be raised in glory. What does it mean, dishonor? Well, this life, we all dishonor God at some point in our lives. No one is perfect. We sin. We continue to sin. We fail with opportunities. We fail to love to our full potential. Uh, we're, we willingly uh, uh, disobey uh, there are times where we refuse to pray or there's times we're not in the word like we should be and that it could go on and on that we dishonor God on this side of eternity and all of that will be put to rest, but we will be raised in glory, eternally, perfectly, completely ready to serve God. It's pretty amazing. Without lapse, without mistake, we will never be less than we are the moment we are resurrected forever. And church, that is exciting news. How many of you have struggled? You don't have to raise your hand. You've struggled in an area and, uh, and you've, ne- you've you got victory for a time, but then there's a relapse and you see you're back at where you were, square one, and then you work on it again. I know I've been there. I know many of you have been there. That would never happen because your body will be raised in glory. Hallelujah. The third contrast is that we will be sown in weakness, but we'll be raised in power. This is really cool. When you think about weakness, we think about limitations physically, relationally, emotionally, in every area. And uh, the idea that we can't save ourselves, well, we can't raise ourselves either from the dead. Uh, That's an impossibility. Uh, There's weakness around that. Uh, Listen, you can want to live, but you won't be able to live forever. 
I've got a goal. Some of you have heard me talk about it. I want to live till I'm 120. I mean, that, that's my goal. I think with modern advancements, by the time I get to, you know, 80, 90, a lot of people are going to be hitting 100. And why not 120, right? That's my goal. And I've talked about that. But how many know I have no control over that in the big picture? God is the one that knows the beginning and the end. We have incredible weakness. And the reality is there's a 100% death ratio. We're all going to die, but we will be raised in power. The limitations will be gone forever. Things that we hope for, things that we dreamed of will be instantaneous. Nothing will be impossible for us. Nothing that we will could be an impossibility. If you think it, you're already there. It's instantaneous. And by the way, that power over sin that we struggle with on this side of eternity will be gone. There will be no battle. There's no such thing as weakness in heaven. Amen. Isn't that incredible? That's what we get to look forward to. Amen. And the final contrast there is the natural versus the supernatural. We're sown in natural, but we're raised supernatural. We have a natural body. We're suited for this life on this side of eternity. The bodies we have are created for earth, but we will experience a spiritual body built for heaven, built to enjoy and experience God forever and ever. All joy, all bliss in the presence of God. Isn't that exciting? And then Paul, what he does, he comes back to a thought that he's actually already covered in verses 45 through 49, and he compares Jesus' resurrected bodies to ours. Look what it says. It says, if there's a natural, I'm sorry, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, that's Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, and the second man uh, from earth. As he, or as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have, have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so that's just like we are today, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. We will be like Jesus in our spiritual bodies. See, the scripture talks about in Genesis 2 that we, breath was breathed into human beings. But then sin entered, and of course there was death. Romans 5, all will die. We can't ex escape that unless the rapture happens, which we're going to talk about next week. But at salvation, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you get a new life. A new life begins. And we all start with the natural, the sin nature. We end up with the spiritual. True for every baby, for every fetus that, that maybe has even been aborted, for every person that has ever been conceived. And the point here is that we can look to Jesus' body and his resurrected body to get a clue of what our bodies will look like or what we will be like. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 says this. It says that when he appears, we will be like him. We will be like Jesus. Think about that for a moment in his resurrected form. 
One of the greatest places you can look and kind of see uh, Jesus uh, after the resurrection is Luke chapter 24. And we won't take the time to read it, but in, that, in Luke 24, he walked on the roads to Emmaus. He ate. He talked. The disciples touched him. They felt him. They saw him. They knew him. He was the same, yet he was vastly different. You say, how do you know? Well, those that loved him couldn't even recognize him until he revealed himself, until he called out uh, Mary's name, for example. He appears and then he disappears. He's transported by thought. And this is the type of body that we will have as well. Have you ever thought about walking through a, through a wall? You'll be able to in heaven. Pretty awesome. You ever think about jumping off of a cliff? You know, hopefully not. Um, you know, other than if you've got a wingsuit, you know, if you, we will be able to experience things like that at will in heaven forever and ever and ever. And I can't wait. No more push-ups, right? <laughs> no more running, no more diets, no more study, no more hurt, no more pain. But the point is, we shouldn't get too attached to these bodies, these earthly bodies. The greatest thing in heaven, it's available to those who walk by faith. And we have the potential to have a new resurrected body. And God, he has that waiting for each of us when we accept him. A friend of mine, Jonathan Decoux, and uh, some of you uh, know who that is. He pastored uh, a Calvary church up the road. Uh, when he was studying this and his final thoughts in the message that he spoke, he pointed out, and I thought it was very interesting, that this is all true for Christ believers, the, for those that believe in Christ, Christ followers. But if there is no salvation, this is not going to be your destiny. And that's really a sobering thought. If you reject him by choice or neglect, this side of eternity, as I understand scripture, you too will be resurrected. Your body will be resurrected. But the Bible says that your body will be fit for destruction, suited for hell and eternal suffering and darkness and in pain. We talked a little bit about that last week. And the idea there is that it's not a guarantee. The only way to Jesus or the only way to eternal life is through Jesus, God's one and only son. And we've got to be so careful that we would be able to make it to heaven. And all it takes is a surrender to Jesus. And I want you to think about your own life. You say, okay, have I committed my life to the Lord? Have I accepted Jesus? And I believe that today is a season of surrender. There's a hope of resurrection. There's an incentive for salvation this morning. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. My challenge to each and every one here is that you would make a decision. You'd draw a line in the sand if you haven't and say, all right, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to accept him as my personal savior. That salvation piece. The second big takeaway is that, there, that when we talk about fear of death, it's real. There's a lot of people that are concerned about what comes next. But as we dig into scriptures, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see an incredible hope. We do not have to fear our eternity. We will rise with glory and honor. Perfection comes when we breathe our last. 
I love it. There's been saints uh, that I've known over the years, uh, godly people, that, that will acknowledge late in their, in their years, hey, I'm ready, to rece- I'm ready to be in heaven. And there's a peace that comes with this understanding. And that my prayer is that for all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, that we hold our lives loosely in our hands, say, God, you're in control, and we do not fear what the enemy would love for us to fear. We don't fear our death or our eternity. But the last thing, I want to come back to it, as we talked about it last week, is that idea that we're storing up treasures in heaven. Our service, our giving, our time, our treasures, all matter on this side of eternity because on the eternity and the eternal side, our glory, our dominion, our existence will be determined by what we do on this side. You think about that. And you think about your life. Is your life reflecting the truth of the resurrection? Or are you just concerned about today, about what's you know, happening in your family, in your finances, whatever? Or do you have more of an eternal destination mindset? I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads this morning. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, that you challenge us beyond our uh, earthly imagination even at some times. But Lord, you've given us your word that can speak to us, that can help us to know what next steps, Lord, you want us to take. And God, I pray for those here this morning that don't know you as their personal Savior, that the next step is to just surrender, to say yes to you. That's the next step. And God, I pray that you would, you'd make that very real. Lord, in just a moment, Lord, as we give people opportunity to respond, give people courage that need that courage to understand, to choose you this day. Lord, secondly, I pray, God, for those that may have historically feared death, that have been concerned about the afterlife, concerned about what, uh, what is coming around the corner. And Lord, it, sometimes it even cripples people and it, it causes people a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety. God, I just pray for a release of anxiety. And Lord, that you would give comfort and peace from your word that after we die, perfection comes. And Lord, I pray that that would burn deep in our hearts. And Lord, thirdly, I pray that we would examine our hearts. And Lord, that you would help us to understand, Lord, that what we do on this side of eternity really matters. And help us to be eternal focused. Help us to be uh, concerned about your kingdom and not so much about our earthly existence. Lord, we pray it all in Jesus' name. With everyone's head, continue to be bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you haven't accepted him or maybe it's been a long time since you've served him and you feel like you've fallen away, this morning God wants to get a hold of your heart again. If you're here and you say, man, I need that salvation. I need Jesus to save me. If you would just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but who here this morning would respond saying, I need Jesus as my personal Savior. Anyone at all? All right, I don't see any hands this morning.
if I could get your eyes on me just for a second, that second piece, the fear and death, um, I really f- uh, felt, even as I was driving in this morning, that there are some that, that really are concerned about uh, what comes next. And I just want to encourage you to get into God's Word and to know that God's Word is true and God will continue to reveal there is no fear, there is no need to fear death. It's something that's inevitable. It's something that comes, and we need to hold our lives loosely in our hands. Amen to that? But that third piece, I want to challenge us, and I want us all to stand as we, as we kind of uh, look at this last piece. How many this morning, like myself, <laughs> need to reflect on the truth of the resurrection in regards to our day in and day out, how we are spending our time? My guess is there are some here that have been consumed with only this side of eternity. And I want to challenge you to do two things. Number one is there needs to be a time saying, God, please forgive me for not, for being so consumed with self, so consumed with materialism, so consumed with stuff. And then the second thing is to really commit your ways, saying, God, show me how I can use my time, my treasure, my money, my, uh, you know, uh, the way I can serve, all these things to store up treasures in heaven. How many could store up a few more treasures in heaven and plan to do so? Amen. Amen. Father, I pray as we leave here this morning, God, that you would challenge us deeply with this truth. And Lord, that we'd commit our ways to you. God, we thank you for it. Now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as we conclude our service, we want you to turn and greet one another as you exit. Don't just bolt out of here, but spend some time. Find someone you don't know, and uh, let's greet one another in the name of uh, Jesus, and we'll see you next week here at the same time.